Shawty, what's all with y'all? Oh, hi. Coming to say you're lucky, fine. We got to cutting it off. It she know about the kid and fuck on my line. I'ma keep it up all with y'all. But Shawty, I'm trying to make you mine. Don't make it too easy, I wanna try. She looking too good, can't let it go by. Oh, yeah. Think I won the lotto. This slow mulatto. She could be a model. She wanna show me some. Think I won the lotto. We're talking about the Tatum game. We're talking about the Suns in Denver. Let's get into it. All right, Jordan. Holy fuck. I've never seen anything like that before in my life. The Celtics game. Um, roller coaster of emotions. You said at one point trade Tatum for picks in that text. <laughs> not to expose you, not to expose you or anything, but uh, I think that might have been like a heat of the moment. That you was know, just yeah. <laughs> But, I, I mean, because you, you could expose me as well. In the moment, I did believe that, and then you know, he went on to win the game for us. I've never seen anything like that. I'm trying to think. I, I was this morning. I was like in the shower trying to think of an experience I've had like that before, and I can't think of one. I, I, I was, I was gonna say it. It's it's been a long time since I've watched a game that was that anxiety inducing, where I was literally like like squeezing the pillow that was next to me, like strangling it as hard as I could because I was just, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I was like scared that our season was over, but also we, we kept it close the whole time. And it was also how ugly was that game? Like no one oh, could make a shot and no that, that added to the anxiety. It's just every, every time down we miss and then it's like, okay, let's get another stop. We get a stop and then they get another stop. It's like, who's going to, who's going to take the lid off the basket first. And also, not to mention, it's not only the fact that we were talking about, you know, our season being over. We were also thinking, like, this could have long-term effects on our superstar. We might not have a superstar anymore. Like, this is the type of game and performance where if he doesn't fix that at the end, that's like a mentally breaking performance. And you could have a completely altered you know, star on your team that isn't a star anymore. So I'm we're sitting here thinking that the future of our franchise, not to be dramatic, but that's kind of what it could have been, um, was about to be like, you know, greatly diminished. Also, we mentioned last episode, you know, you lose this game, you're going in, you're maybe you're <clears throat> most likely changing your coach. You're definitely changing your core seven guys. No doubt about that. And you come out of this game. One, I feel great. I, I think we have a shot next game. And I oh, feel better. Of course. This felt like a turning point moment in the season. And there's something, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to, what more to say about the feeling. Do you have any other? I mean, the feeling, I think I'm still very nervous because you have to remember that after all that anxiety and all the like trauma that we went through throughout that game, it was only game six. And it was, you know, we still have a whole other game to play. And y yes, it's at the Garden. But has that really meant anything to us throughout these last two years in the playoffs? Not two years, but this year it hasn't meant anything. I think last year it meant some things. That being said, did you see Jalen Brown's quotes after the game? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, calling out the fans to to be dude, louder. I fucking love that move, dude. And you best believe I think that's going to work, dude. I really do think that there's going to be an atmosphere that is going to be indescribable on Sunday. So... I think I I, I really hope so. I love the comments too. And I think it's totally fair. Jalen yeah. was like, you know, you guys call us out. I'm gonna call you you guys out. Like and he's right too. The garden hasn't been great. Uh I mean the the to be fair, the fucking product the product that you're forcing them to cheer for hasn't been great either. It's that's fair too, yeah. Symbiotic. But yes, no, you're right. I mean it's hard to I'm sure it's hard to get your gears going when you're getting booed on your home floor. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, let's let's talk about the game though. I mean, we mentioned Tatum a little bit, but what were your or your overall thoughts on the the whole game? Because you look at the stat sheet, and it wasn't pretty, but he came through in the in the big moments. What were my thoughts on the game or Tatum's game? Tatum's game. Okay, uh, Tatum was doing everything well except for shooting. My the the thing that stuck out to me, excuse me, the most, there was this play. And we talked about it. I, I texted about it immediately when it happened. I forget. If it, I think it was the third quarter. And Tatum gets the ball on a fast break. And it's him and Embiid, right? And instead of driving at Embiid, taking it to his body, and at least attempting to draw the foul, putting Embiid in foul trouble, 
He pulls up to take a three, which Embiid, you know, kind of stuffs. So Tatum gets back down. Like he goes up and then takes the ball back down and attempts to pass it out and turns it over. And at that moment, I thought that Tatum was broken and we were going to have to have a serious discussion about his future. And that that moment really scared me. For him to come back and do what he did and have the mentality that he did after that in the fourth quarter and to know that, that the shots just weren't going in, but they were going to, that's why we play, we are going to pay him $300 million a year or in total. And that's why he is considered to be an elite and potentially all-time like superstar. And that is because there are guys with mentalities like that that are the top 0.05% of guys in the league. You don't have those guys. Tatum is one of those guys. And as much as you want to argue and say, like, he played like shit, he played like shit offensively. He had great rebounding numbers, great assist numbers. He played his defense is elite. And the fact that he was able to keep it together and win us the game shows that he has that Mamba mentality that he talks about. So that's my takeaway from his game. What's your takeaway? Yeah, I've, I liked a lot about what you said. That that play with Embiid was just... Heartbreaking. Like, you, yeah. Throw your hands up in the air. Like, cover your face with your hands. Like That was Jordan just, Poole. That was a Jordan Poole play. Oh, my God. That was... I, I thought the game was over at that point because I was like, after that, how do you... If, if we're if we're making you know middle school basketball plays like that high school mistakes like that how do we beat a, a really solid NBA team like Philly I will say I'm I'm still nervous because yeah Tatum got going a little bit but it's like he hasn't been playing great this whole series and Jalen hasn't been able to get going this Philly defense really gives us trouble and it's Embiid really who gives us trouble. Cause even when we get by our guys, like the, the whole point of the Celtics offense is to, to drive and then draw, draw help in the paint and kick out. But we're not really drawing help. We're, we're more just getting by our guy and then Embiid is guarding everyone at once. It feels like, and, and we're not getting anything at the rim cause he's this ridiculous rim protector, which to give him credit for, I didn't, I didn't respect him that much as a defender or as a rim protector before this series. And then he comes out and just blocks everything that comes his way. I think he's been ridiculous defensively um, this series. But, I mean, that's that's kind of why I'm nervous. Like, we're It's going to be tough to hold him to 86 points again. And I don't know if, if we're going to be able to score on them. And Tatum and Brown... Like I said, like Tatum really got going and he took over the game, like you said. But I don't, I don't know if we're gonna have the consistency of production on offense. That's that's why I'm just kind of nervous and I'm not feeling, you know, amazing about Game Seven. That moment that we witnessed last night is an unquantifiable moment that changes your mentality. And I do believe that seventy-five percent of basketball is mental. The other twenty-five percent is a mixture of smarts and physical ability and athleticism. Tatum has the smarts. He has the physical ability, the athleticism. It seems to me that mentally he's been a little bit broken. I think that this moment that he felt and lived through is an unquantifiable variable that is going to affect his performance in game seven. And that's why I don't feel, I feel more confident. I think something is unlocked with this team. They went down. It's almost like facing a near death experience. I would imagine like not to be fucking dramatic, but I mean, you get that close to having your season ended, which has, you know, a ton of repercussions, especially for Missoula. You get that close. You're you're on the you're right at the brink, but then you come back and you know that you, you guys you, you gotta feel something. I think something happens. I, I really do. I think that the numbers yeah. up until this point right now are you can throw them out because there's gonna be a change. I just have a feeling with that. But I could be completely wrong. No, yeah, but you also could be right. It's one of those things you gotta wait and see. Let's talk about our boy Marcus Smart, who, in my opinion, kept this team afloat the whole game and wasn't going to be the guy to close it, but got us to a point where if anyone else stepped up, we were going to have a chance to win. I think this was probably Smart's best game of the series. It might have been his best game of the year. Really played well offensively, took good shots, made his open shots. Always has, you know, kind of some shaking your head turnovers. Try to make like a wraparound, 
that pass was between pass, three guys. Yeah, around pass. around Paul Reed, and it was like it wasn't even close. Like Perfect. it just hit Paul Reed in the hip. <laughs> it was like, what are we doing, Smart? Yeah. Um, but I I thought he played amazing, and I thought we needed it because it was clear that no one else was able to get going. Maybe yeah. other than Brogdon. Smart just to clean up twenty two points, only three turnovers, two steals, seven assists, seven rebounds. Um, plus eighteen, plus minus doesn't matter, but you know he. He really did all st- uh, stat sheet stuffer in the beginning. He kind of looked like the only one that showed up to, ready to play. It was like him, Rob Will, and the others, minus Tatum and Brown. All He looked like he was ready to go. Those turnovers <clears throat> fucking kill me. Um, there was a couple of stretches where I really thought we were dead, and those were capped off by Brogdon and smart turnovers. But you're totally right. He's the heart and soul of this team. He's uh, another variable that <clears throat> I think he's – most effective on Boston, and I don't think you, even though he is a good trade asset, I think because of performances like these, you just can't get rid of him. He's got he means so much to this team. Yeah, he he just keeps pulling you know Celtics fans and and the team back in every time. It it seems oh. like you want to get rid of him or he's not playing great. He does something like this where if he doesn't play that way, we are going home and our season's over. But. The Celtics came out yesterday and started eight for 11 from three. And I was like, holy shit, we're going to be this team today. Like we're going to, we're going to shoot 53s and we're going to make 40% and we're going to win by 25. And for whatever reason, the threes just stopped. Like the play style changed, I thought. And we stopped getting those open looks. Brogdon came out red hot and then didn't really get a ton of open looks um, after that eight for 11 start because. After that 8 for 11, we went 7 for 24 from 3 for the rest of the game, which just kind of like boggled my mind a little bit. I don't know how that changed so much, but honestly, I was kind of almost not not encouraged by it, but usually when that happened in this series, when our shots didn't go down, Philly just overwhelmed us offensively, and this game, I was super encouraged by our defense, and I thought our defense um, took a big step and started looking a lot more like it did last year. I think playing Rob and Horford together had a lot to do with that. What did you think of the two big lineup? Yeah, so that's the, that, my biggest takeaway from this game was that Joe Missoula woke up and started making adjustments and is finally listening to the fans, probably the team, probably the people closest to him. That two big lineup really changed everything. That's We looked like the Celtics of last year, that's that's the lineup that we uh, went with when we were, you know, defend all defense. Because if you remember, our team last year was a lot different than our team this year. We only we didn't add that many different players, but our mentality was all about defense, grinding it out, not a lot of scoring. This season, it was all about shooting threes, scoring, not a ton of defense. You were going to outscore your opponents. So to see us go back to that, to what you know we were most successful with, and we watched Missoula make a couple of big balls. Um, you know, decisions here today. Number one was to not sit Tatum in that fourth when he could have and maybe should have. Well, he definitely should shouldn't have because obviously we got the right answer. But maybe a different coach sit, uh, sits Tatum, which you know you don't get your game, whatever. So that was a big move because I think what he thought in his mind was, you know, if Tatum's done like this forever, the season's over anyways. So we might as well ride with him till the end. So that was a good move there. The two big lineup was a good move he started calling timeouts again good move as well and he saw that if guys didn't have it he didn't play them and he cut the lineup to seven i think only seven players played today which is what Ime used to do as well so missoula's adjustments in game showed that there was a reason that they picked him over other candidates because there were other candidates out there for the celtics celtics have is a great job so i was impressed with him and his performance as well the defense like you said was suffocating uh Embiid couldn't really get going James Harden really couldn't get going at all um he only had James Harden had 13 and beat him and Embiid had 26 on nine for 19 so he uh he wasn't you know shooting well thing that drives me crazy is Rob Will falling for the Embiid pump fakes on the three that drives me nuts because yeah even if he does shoot it let him shoot it he's not an elite three-point shooter um you know what he's gonna do Tyrese Maxey is a problem and we've known that He's just too fast, but he wasn't really efficient last night. He was 9 for 20, 3 for 9 from the 3. So I thought our defense was 
I mean, nine for 20 is relatively efficient, but you know, um, I thought our defense was suffocating as well. And I was really, really impressed with it. I thought Rob will played extremely well. Al Horford played extremely well. They were doing the doubles like Butsy alluded to in that last episode. So yeah, yeah. What else did you think? Well, I think having Al as the primary guy on Embiid and then having Rob come over and just jump out of the gym like he can and contest, you know, be a, be a secondary contest guy. I think it's absolutely brilliant by Missoula. I think Rob didn't get a ton of blocks, but bothered a million shots at the rim all game, forced uh, Maxi and Harden to take like tough floaters, which if you're trying to shoot a floater over Robert Williams, who you know can swat the hell out of your shot, like you have to throw that thing so high you're and you're thinking about getting your shot blocked. That those shots are tough to make, and I think that's a huge difference in this game of of those floaters that they took last game went down, and this game they did not because of Rob Williams. I think holding a team like this to eighty six points is nearly impossible, and a huge part of this was Rob. I also thought, I don't know, it was kind of weird, like the difference in Rob's energy and almost explosiveness, like. The the past few games, I thought Rob looked either tired or hurt or disengaged. And this game, he looked like the Rob Williams that we know and love. The, you know, all defense Robert Williams, who is one of the best rim protectors in the league. So I think that was huge for us. I mean, I don't know what else we say about this game. Missoula showed up. And the thing about Missoula, too, if we lose this game, he might lose his job. So yeah. Will I think it. like he would lose his job, I think. Yeah, and we kind of last pod mentioned like if we're gonna see adjustments, it, it's gonna be this game. Like, there's no more Missoula being scared and saying to Jalen, like, "Yeah, go talk to Marcus about who you want to guard," because I'm not gonna make any decisions. You know what I mean? I think he realized like, okay, this is my time that I can actually make my decisions. And when Missoula trusts himself and is actually a coach, he's a good one. I think that's the reason the Celtics picked him, like you said. I think he just has to trust himself and be a little bit more assertive. Yeah, and I think he's a – I know he's a numbers guy, and I think maybe that's to a fault at some point because I think the numbers tell him things that he refuses to back off from. Yeah, and, that's where the threes come from. That's where yes. the let's shoot 53s a game. Yeah, and sometimes, like we said with variables beforehand, there's unquantifiable things that go into basketball that – is the reason that sports in general are so amazing. You can look at as much numbers as you want, but there's this this inherent variable that you can't quantify and you can't, you know, get with. So it doesn't it like there you got to do other things. So that's like the whole thing with the NFL. Uh, there's analytics guys and then there's like NFL football feelings guys and they do things differently. Um and that, that that's like, you know, in terms of field goals and when you go for uh, a fourth down conversion stuff like that. So, right, yeah, momentum stuff. Yeah. I think the other maybe big story of this game is another hard and no-show. I looked up uh, today, actually. I was looking at the stats, just curious, and Harden goes four for 16, I think, which completely shocked me. I didn't think he played that terribly. I thought I didn't even feel like he took 16 shots, so I was so surprised to see that. Now that I think about it, though, we did a great job contesting his stupid step back threes. Tatum blocked one. I think Jalen or someone else contested one really heavily and made him airball. I think stopping Harden or containing Harden is a huge piece to game seven because when Harden gets going, they're pretty impossible to stop. Embiid, you know, we can do what we can. I thought we guard Embiid really well also, but. Embiid can get, you know, 30 to 35 and we can still win a game. If Harden scores 30, it's going to be tough to beat them. So I thought that was a huge key for us. Yeah, and uh, the other thing was the refs weren't calling his bullshit. I mean, they called a couple of ones. Uh, the hooking foul where he puts his arm. Uh, so Marcus, my so I was sitting next to my friends who aren't Celtics fans. It's like me and my roommates are Celtics fans and then my two friends that are Nets fans. Um, so he didn't have a stake in the game. He didn't give a fuck. And he was like, well, that's a foul on Smart. Smart reached in. But if you look at the replay, Smart has his hand straight out. He's playing straight out with his arms up. And Harden hooks Smart's inner arm and is holding himself to the contact, which is not a basketball play. I tweeted out that what Harden does isn't basketball, and that's why no one watches the game anymore. 
And that's true. The ratings are going down because the flopping, which Smart is up there with the most flops, so can't really say much about that. But, I mean, the refs weren't really falling for it today. There was a couple of calls that I hated, but, I mean, I'd rather have a couple than a ton. So I think that was a big part of it is that he wasn't getting those calls, and those calls are a lot A lot of how Harden scores his free throws. Um, he's a great shooter, an amazing shooter, and he, missed, he went 0 for 6. So that's obviously on our defense because... Harden is capable of some of the craziest shot making that I've personally ever experienced. So um, there's that. But I think, like you said, they they weren't going for like the defense was elite and the refs were staying true and not calling some of his ridiculous antics because the landing space fouls are one that he gets away with where he practices shooting, uh, landing at an angle with his legs to kind of diagonal um, to make a contact with the feet of the defender in order to get a landing sp- space violation or whatever. Um, stuff like that. So I, I think that was a big part of it, but I also just think of the defense, like you said. And you're right. If he gets going, we're, we're fucked. Yeah. Well, w- normally I wouldn't say we're fucked because we have two stars also, but for whatever reason, like they're struggling to reach 20 points. So I don't know, you know what you do about that. I think we're going to have to win with our defense again. I think we're going to have to win like a, like a 105 to 100 game. Um, to win Game Seven because this this Philly defense and what whether it's the defense or whether it's just Tatum and Brown not hitting shots, our our guys aren't fully you know it's not that they're not locked in they're just not hot right now they're actually pretty ice cold in terms of shooting so that's why yeah I mean it was amazing to see Tatum do that to carry us to those those last what was it like three or four minutes it was like who's gonna step up for either one of these teams and i thought Embiid honestly wasn't as aggressive as he needed to yeah Yeah. just kind of deferred a little bit missed a couple layups too because of our good defense and then tatum just when he jacked that first one in the corner oh i mean i was i honestly there wasn't really a thought that went through my head i was just praying for it to go in but I think looking back at it, it's not the best shot. It's early in the shot clock. It's pretty contested. It's over Embiid, but he makes it. And as soon as he sees that go down, he just snaps into, you know, killer Tatum. When he, before his last one that he made, he missed one, right? He missed one and then he gets the rebound and gets it back out and get and then hits it. When he missed that one, I was like, fuck. He, he checked himself. He's done. Yeah. That was, that was, uh. That was a tough one. All right. He also anything... he also got blocked. Yeah, on a, yeah. Like take to the rim, and I was like, okay, well, stop shooting now. But yeah. I mean, he just kept going. He hit Simmer. three threes. Yeah. Yeah, he kept it going. Um. All right. Anything else on this game? I'm good, man. I'm all good. That game took a took years off my life. I found a gray hair the other day. Or not the <laughs> other day. Last night I found a gray hair. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Related, but you know, um, I I I don't know. That that felt like for some reason that felt like um. I bonded with the team more after that game. Do you feel the same? That felt like the whole city just a big sigh of relief and yeah. like a, a big a big group hug after <laughs> almost. For real. That was <laughs> I I don't know, man. I'm I'm so excited for this game seven. I we flipped. It's funny that we fully flipped because I, I was going into it, I was all uh, gloom and doom. I thought it was over, but you were and to be of... honest, this game shouldn't really flip you, but just just because of the way it ended, it does. I mean, dude, there's just that thing about sports, that fucking weird thing that happens when someone has these are these are players that are the top point oh 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 one percent of society that has a weird ass wiring in their brain where it turns something and then that's the top oh oh point oh oh one percent just to make the NBA. And then to be in the NBA you have to have this top point oh oh five percent um to be, you know, the stars, the absolute stars um of the NBA and just maybe we have one. So that's why I changed. Yeah, maybe we keep you away from percentages for the future, but I I gotcha. Yeah, yeah I'm working on my numbers. <laughs> Not a numbers guy. I'm more of an agriculture guy. So, um, all right, let's talk about Nuggets and Suns here. Um, Jokic, best player in the playoffs. I know. I'm glad Butsy's not here to say he doesn't like when I praise players. So, but Jokic is Jokic is insane. Jokic went nuts. I mean, this was just a. Full on disaster for Phoenix again. I turned this off like midway through the third. It was this was over actually by halftime, but 
I mean, I kept it on just to see what Durant and Booker would do. Booker finally has the really bad game. The 4 for 13, 12 points, wasn't effective at all game. Not that we were waiting for, but that maybe was kind of due because of how well he was playing. There's not a ton of takeaways for this. We have talked about Phoenix all year. They don't have a bench. They have two guys who can score. Chris Paul was hurt. Campaign comes out. Sucks. No, dude. He does. He does. He does. But after last night, he went 12 for 16 and gave him 31 points. If Crazy. you ever needed a role player to step up in a big time game six, it was last night. And campaign does more than step up. 31 I know. from campaign is unheard of. And. KD and Booker are the ones who don't show up and the Suns go home. They get blown out, you know, on their own court. And it's just, it's kind of embarrassing. It's kind of a disaster. They're going to need to make a lot of offseason moves if they want to become a real contender because this style of play that they had just was not um, sustainable enough. Could I go on a quick monologue, Jordan? I would love that. All right. Okay, here's not here's what we're not going to do is we're not going to shit on Booker and KD. That, that's not what you were doing, but I'm saying as a collective NBA whole, and we're going to have some shitty fans on Twitter that are going to troll KD. KD came to this team five games be- in the regular season. He played five games with them before going to the playoffs. This team was this was not the Suns' year, and we said that going into it. The Suns weren't built for this year. The Suns weren't even built at all. They were just kind of thrown together at the trade deadline. Um, there's going to be changes that need to be made, and. I know I'm saying that it's not their year, but maybe they should have thought about that looking on to next year because the next year free agency class is very bad. Um, they need like a wing point card kind of thing or or just a wing general. And I think the best one is Jay Crowder that's available for free agency. So that's a very limited class. Most likely you're going to have to do trades, which they don't have a ton of assets. They have no picks, right? So maybe they overdid it for the KD trade, but you overdo it to get KD. Um I'm not super scared because I I didn't think they were going to the finals and we didn't think they were going to go to the finals because like I said this was just their first year together. Um, you got we can't hate on Katie and Booker because they these guys were tired they played like the most minutes in playoffs and were really going at it. KD is coming off of an injury too, so that's even more impressive. And he's taking good shots that he normally takes. He was just short, which indicates that he was tired. Um, they had no supporting cast. DeAndre Ayton doesn't want to play basketball. It looks like so. Clearly, they need to get rid of him, which is going to be their first move this offseason, I guess. Um, I don't know what he looks like as an asset. I can't imagine a ton of teams are, you know, talking themselves into DeAndre and maybe you get it in like a weird um, tainted player swap. And uh, I heard Bill Simmons talk about this, maybe like a Jordan Poole five-teamer situation. I don't know if that fixes any of their problems, but it would fix their scoring, certainly. Um, yeah, this team, it, this wasn't going to be their year. We talked about this all season. They, We knew that they were limited. Uh, they shot a lot and only relied on two guys that's not a recipe for success the nuggets are an eight-man team all eight all eight guys are looking really good their depth is a lot better um we were talking about like in the regular season i was talking about their bench numbers it doesn't matter in the postseason as much when you can play your starters like 30 plus minutes or you know 40 minutes Jokic looks insane he pretended that he couldn't play defense but he actually kind of can now um they're they're elite. I, I I have Denver coming out of the West. I feel really strongly about that. I think they're the best team in the West, and maybe the best team if the Celtics continue with how they've been playing. Maybe the best team in the uh, playoffs right now. And yeah, I think I I I I'm not like terribly afraid, but I was I did get I'm not gonna lie I did get a little bit more afraid when I kind of scoped out what their moves look like this off season for the Suns, and they're very limited in what they can do. But when an asset like KD is available, you kind of overpay for that asset, and that's what they did. Maybe you don't give up Cam Johnson next time. But, I mean, they're going to have ways to fix it. It's just very slim, and their moves have to be very smart, and they have to be honestly perfect. So it's going to start with getting rid of DeAndre. And I I heard a, I saw a tweet today that the Suns are going to be shopping Chris Paul heavily. So, I mean, that's going to be interesting to see what he draws uh, in interest and in, in attention-wise. I don't know kind of what his market looks like for an aging point guard with injury history and bad playoff history. So there's that. Um, All right, I'm done with my monologue. I think shopping, first of all, great monologue. Thank you. Second of all, I don't know what shopping Chris Paul does for them. I think they kind of 
need Chris Paul. Like I agree. I saw I thought that tweet was weird. Yeah, I think they should keep Chris Paul. I'm not sure how accurate that information is. I think they need knockdown shooters, which I think is easier said than done. There's not a whole lot of guys in the NBA who you can just throw on and they're going to make shots. That's kind of a, a you know, heavily sought after piece. Um, I thought it was weird. Tory Craig played really well last series and then basically got benched like this whole series. I don't know. It just kind of speaks to the lack of depth, lack of trust Monty Williams had in this team. Shamit didn't show up last night. Um, shocking. What? I said shocking that Shamit didn't show up. Yeah, I mean, he had, you know, his game. After that game, honestly, you should just be like, okay, you're good. You can go back to what you were doing before, yeah, which was nothing. Looking, <laughs> looking angry on the court. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting next to Monty. Yeah. I don't know. what. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I don't think they're in a great spot. Aiton seems to be the only trade asset, and I'm not like they're not going to get much for him because you're like you said, he doesn't look like he wants to play. He doesn't look engaged. He doesn't seem like he loves basketball. He doesn't have good energy on the court, and he doesn't even really have he, he hasn't improved his offensive game, which he's needed to. Like, he doesn't have a jump shot, a consistent three point shot at all. And like, all he does is really. Score off pick and rolls or putbacks. He can't really create. He's, he doesn't have a great post-up game. He's just, I don't know. He's not a number one pick, and he's not what you thought you were getting. And beyond that, he's not even, you know, he's not even a hard worker. So I don't know if they can even chop him. I'm going to call this rule the Donovan Mitchell rule, and maybe I'm wrong for that, but I think, I, like, trying to think about it, I think that's what I want to call it. And the rule is... Do you remember the last couple months in Utah with Donovan Mitchell and how bad he looked? Like defensively, offensively, everything. He looked completely checked out. He looked disengaged, yeah. I'm with you. Um, I The reason I, I want to call it the Donovan Mitchell rule is because I think teams can talk themselves into, well, Aiton hates Monty Williams, which we've known for like two years. He hates this organization, doesn't want to play for them. Um, Just maybe a change of scenery brings out an engagement in him that you wouldn't see. And the reason I call it Donovan Mitchell rules in Utah, he looked terrible. He gets traded to Cleveland. He becomes amazing. He score has a 71 point game. He completely plays defense now, which we, he didn't in Utah. So that was a change. Um, so maybe that he's a, a candidate for the Donovan Mitchell rule. So we don't know that um, NBA execs look at players a lot differently than we do. I mean, we're not, our jobs don't rely on this. So, you know, we, they kind of look at everything and maybe the, uh, there's NBA guys that can talk themselves into Donovan Mitchell, or I mean um, DeAndre Ayton, which I'm sure there are guys that are going to talk themselves into DeAndre Ayton, so I, I'm a little bit higher on what his value is on the market than what you think it is, but I can see, like, your side is right. I mean, there, the facts are he's unengaged, uninterested, does not seem like a hard worker, is very limited offensively, de- defensively leaves a lot to be desired, so who knows? Quick counterpoint to the Donovan Mitchell rule, would maybe be the Ben Simmons rule, which is yeah, that's the that's the other rule. That's the that's the exception. Yeah, like if a guy is actually that disengaged, and you and he tells you that he doesn't like basketball, maybe you shouldn't trade for him, like yeah. the Nets did. But I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Aiton, yeah, he's still young, but I think he's more Ben Simmons than he is Donovan Mitchell, um, from what we've seen so far. Last thing I want to say on the Suns, though. And then we can maybe preview tonight's games. I know you don't want to shit on KD and Book, and I'm not going to shit on Book at all because he had a ridiculous stretch. I I think it's fair to be underwhelmed by KD in this series. Like, he just didn't show up. And I think it's fair when players have off series, and especially when their teams are counting on them, and like the Suns are counting on KD and Booker more than any other teams count on their stars. I think you at least got to, you know, put up some big numbers and come through in big moments. And I don't think Durant did that other than one game this whole series. I think this is but this is something we've never seen before. We've never seen a player like KD get traded when he gets got traded at the deadline and then not play all but five games or yeah, he didn't play all but five games at the end and then he comes in 
in the for playoffs and plays with a new team and is still trying to learn the system. So I give him a little bit of a pass because I think this is unprecedented because you don't you don't see players of KD's caliber get traded. So that's that's my only counterpoint. But I mean, I I yeah. get that. Yeah, I get it. It was Some just of his shot selection was pretty terrible, but I think there was a lot of it was shots that he would normally take anyways and usually go in. And when he's missing short like that, it indicates that he's like extremely tired. And the numbers that he like the minutes numbers that he was putting up were like some of the highest. Yeah, I just think before the playoffs when they were eight and zero or whatever with KD, and then you know they beat the Clippers in five, which we were underwhelmed with the Suns in that series too, but they were still whatever twelve and one with Durant on the roster, and. Then they come into this series, and I just don't think KD showed up enough. If you look at his stats, his stats aren't going to say that he didn't show up, but he had a 10-for-27 game, a 12-for-31 game. Last night he was 8-for-19. He had a 10-for-24 game. Like, I just think those shots that you're talking about that he usually makes and that, I mean, you're blaming it on him being tired, I just think he has to make those shots or if he's not going to make those shots like you have to find some way to score because your team needs you to score you are Kevin Durant you're supposed to be a top five guy and you basically were outplayed by your teammate Devin Booker who no one believes is truly a better basketball player than Kevin Durant that's my only thing and maybe yeah maybe you're right maybe it's unfair but I'm going to criticize guys when they don't show up in the playoffs yeah, I just it looked to me like he was still trying to figure out his role in the offense. He kind of had Bill Simmons has been calling it new guy syndrome. Well, fair, but like what offense? Like it, it's not an offense. It's give Katie the ball. Well, yeah, but I think they're like we see that that isn't successful at times. Yeah, so I mean, I I think we're just gonna fundamentally disagree at this point, but that's fine. Um, I'm a KD guy, so maybe that I'm I'm biased. Like I I've always liked Katie. He's one. He's my favorite player to watch when he's on. Yeah, um, I well, like on yeah, fire. That's that's true. Yeah. I mean the the offense definitely has something to do with it. That's not Katie's a great ISO player, but he's not just gonna James Harden it and no, you know dribble and the you ball don't have for your point twelve seconds you and score. You don't have a guy in Chris Paul who can take the ball and be like, all right, Katie, that's enough of that. Let's uh, reset and actually make an offense go. So there's that. Yeah, and you that's lost him halfway through the series too. So I think that's yeah. extraneous uh, circumstances that you know we haven't really seen before. That's all. Um, also, wait, sorry to cut you off. No, is Denver like a little bit underrated on defense? Because yeah, dude, they are. Because we were on, I myself underrated them badly. I was. That was honestly one of my. I think it was my only note on Denver last night because we know how good they are on offense when their shots go down, especially. But like Aaron Gordon, KCP, um, Jokic is way better on defense than Murray? I thought he was. Murray's playing really hard. All their guys off the bench. Bruce Brown's Christian a phenomenal Braun, defender. Brown. Christian Christian Brown is a ridiculous defender. These yeah. guys, I don't know how they were such a mediocre defense in the regular season because they actually have individually pretty solid defenders. And as a team, you know, as good of chemistry as you can have, I think they don't really have a huge weakness. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. is the weakness, I would say. But even mm-hmm. he is at least working harder and, and trying to slide his feet. Um, and he's engaged. So I think, yeah, we haven't talked about Denver being that uh, good on defense in a long time. I think they're a little bit underrated. Yeah, completely agree. I think what we saw in Minnesota against that Minnesota series was them playing with their food a little bit because I, I that, that scared me. I saw they like stopped trying and then Minnesota came back and won a game. And I was like, oh, shit, um, you know, that's going to be something that I feel like Denver has to work on. And clearly they just kind of been smartly resting it out a little bit and um you know waiting to really lock in and maybe that's an issue with the nba schedule where the regular season doesn't matter so teams kind of fuck around and um who knows who knows what that is but yeah no we were severely underrating i think that uh the defense i think that denver is getting hot at the perfect time and i'm very scared of them they're still my finals pick yeah i'm scared of them too i'm just interested to see uh, this Lakers Nuggets series after the the Lakers close it out tonight. Oh, that's your take. All right, let's good transition. <laughs> Powerful transition. We can tell we've been doing it for a year, JD. That was a great yeah. transition. No, I'm, I'm I'm a veteran at this stuff. Yeah, the Lakers in LA tonight minus three. Last game, I don't. Did we have a pod about last game? This no, Lakers series. We didn't. 
Okay, good. So let's talk about last game a little bit because it was the Lakers basically couldn't have played worse as a team. Um, Andrew Wiggins actually showed up for the Warriors, which was big. Steph played great, but didn't have to do too much. And then AD goes out with, I think, like six or seven minutes in the fourth quarter with uh, a head injury from a, a forearm from Looney. And I think he's totally fine. And I think that's a blessing in disguise for the Lakers because I think they were going to lose that game. And I don't know if you want AD playing any extra minutes with his mm-hmm. body. So you get, a, I don't know, halfway rested LeBron and Anthony Davis going into this game six. We're in L.A. Warriors are one of the worst road teams in the league. I think the Lakers close this out tonight. Me too. Clay still had a bad game as well. And Wiggins might actually not physically show up this game because he's got a rib fracture. So he might not even play. Um, yeah. Also, Draymond had like, oh, the game of his top life. five game of his life. Yeah. yeah Jesus. <laughs> Chir- he was chirping. Him and AD got, we're going at it. That was pretty interesting. Yeah. It was, I mean, seven for 11, 20 points, 10 rebounds, four assists. If Draymond plays like that, the Warriors are, are tough to beat, especially when Wiggins goes for 25. Yeah. I don't know if Wiggins can replicate that. I saw Chris Broussard kind of argued for the Warriors in, in terms of even if Wiggins and Draymond don't play like that, Clay is so due for a game. But I don't know if I buy that. Yeah, can we stop just, with the fucking game six Clay shit? Because yeah. it's getting on my nerves now at this point. Everyone talks. I about just, it. he's not getting good shots. They're not running their same offense because they have to run this pick and roll stuff. Um, because Anthony Davis is the rim protector that he is, and they try to get him away from the basket. And, you know, it, it works for the team, but it does not work for Clay, which J.J. Redick actually talked about a lot. Clay does not get a ton of shots, and when he does get shots, I mean, they're not great looks. So I don't think Clay is going to have a game. I think, I mean, I don't expect him to go 3 for 12 for 10 points, but in terms of, like, the game 6 Clay game, I don't see that happening. I think... AD comes out, asserts his dominance on offense, and I just don't think Steph has enough help on this team offensively, and the Lakers have just the plethora of guys that we've talked about. In game sixes in his career, uh, Clay has had 7 points, 10 points, 9 points, 20 points, 5 points, 41 points, 25 points, 35 points, 9 points, 27 points, 30 points, 30 points, 12 points, 22 points. So So that was like, it was like, I don't know, 5 or 6 really big Clay games. Yeah, it was. Let's see if there's been one, two, three, four, five, six bad games, and then one, I mean, sorry, two, four, six, seven. So, seven, eight. So, he's like, he's got eight good ones, six bad ones. I I don't think giving a guy a nickname off of being like 40% good or, you know, like 60% good in a game six is worth it. But yeah, who knows? Now he's going to, now that we said he's going to have 50. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, talk about Heat Knicks. Knicks. I, I I don't know. That's why we didn't actually bet the Heat because we picked them, but we didn't bet them just in case. Uh, Madison Square Garden is crazy, which it was, and then you know the Knicks kind of woke up a little bit. Still don't feel good about them. I'm riding the Heat at home. What are you taking? Totally agree. Randall played a great game last game. No denying it. Yeah. Brunson. First time. I mean, Brunson obviously goes off. Almost gets forty. 38 yeah first time for randall but rj played great i i think they just play different on that home court other than brunson everyone else seems a lot more locked in and yeah. the the energy and the vibes around that team in msg are really really good yeah i think i like miami at home jimmy's gonna have a big game jimmy also had maybe his first off game like mediocre game yeah mediocre game <laughs> 19 points instead of 38 so I yeah, I think Jimmy, you know, snaps back into snaps back into his like whatever you want to call this run Kill playoff mode. Jimmy. Yeah, just and I think they close it out. Um Knicks just I think they're out of gas, man. I do. Oh yeah. They need to make a little bit of they need to consolidate. They need to make some moves. They have a weird team. And uh maybe not we talked about this before, but it's weird cuz Tibbs is an old man coach, a veteran coach. He's not like a coach for young guys and you have a lot of young guys. Yeah, I think it's just weird when you're relying on Randall and you don't really know what you're going to get from him yeah, on a night to night basis. He's not a playoff. He's not, you, you can't rely on him in the playoffs. He's, he's shown his entire career that he can't. 
produce in the playoffs. He's just not that type of player. Yeah, he's one of those where it's like you need him to be the alpha and you need him to take a bunch of shots, but also sometimes he's not going to be and he's just not going to make the shots and it's like, okay, well, that guy just can't be your alpha then. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it's, yeah, he's he's one of the weirdest players. Like when he's, this summer would be fun for us as a little podcast segment to dive into his career because he's one of the weirder players I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, an anything else you want to say? No, I'm all good. I'm good too. Crazy playoffs we've had. I've never. I've. I don't. I, this was. This one's crazy, dude. Just most NBA years, like of the past ten years, you could pick the the three teams. Yeah, Warriors, Cleveland, the season. Miami. Yeah, and Buffs. this year, I mean, there, there's. If anyone tells you that they know who's gonna win, they have no idea. They're just lying. Yeah, that I 100% agree. Who uh, updated finals picks? Oh, after the last, just after the last. So I, we had, I had Sixers, Lakers, and I had Sixers winning. I guess just out of Celtics fandom, I'll go Celtics, Lakers, Celtics winning. Celtics, Denver. Celtics winning. That's I'm. Uh, I don't, you I don't, don't believe it though. I don't believe it though. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> you think Denver's gonna win? I think. Um. Like you would rather play the Lakers than Denver because I think we match up pretty horribly with the Lakers. Um, I would not rather play the Lakers. I don't care how we match. I would just rather not play them because the off chances if we lose, they get more titles now than we do. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, who do we have a better chance to beat, Denver or the Lakers? Mm. Is it? It's like equally as hard, I think. Yeah, I don't know. If we lost the Lakers, it would be more heartbreaking. But yeah, <laughs> I think there's like the chance that the Nuggets beat us in like five. I don't know. And what do you think the Lakers beat us in if they win? No, I think we would beat the Lakers, but I'm not yeah. super confident because of the LeBron thing where I think he's like conserving yes, energy that's, and he's like so building too. up. Yeah, and he's that's just going <laughs> to by the finals. I think LeBron is going to he's either going to show he's human or show that he's cyborg LeBron. No, yeah, I think it's the opposite. I think he's just charging right now. I think he's like he has yeah, I think his, he's his battery he's, plugged he's in. Plugged in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're on the same page on that one. I, I, I've been talking about this. Like, I feel like every time we talk about the Lakers, I'm like, if you watch LeBron in the first quarter, he doesn't do shit. <laughs> yeah, that's until really... until he plays the Celtics in the finals yeah, and he goes and for 90. sixty in a game. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I it, it's crazy because we, like we've. I feel like I've said this statement. We've never seen. And then blank, you know, I've said that probably 40 times this podcast, but probably, I mean, like we literally have not seen someone like LeBron at his age um, in a finals and at his stature. Right. So your number, the number one team on the team, maybe the best player in the league and is also 38. So in the finals trying to fight for a championship. So uh, that's a whole fascinating arc. I don't know. I'd rather play Denver just storyline wise. I'd rather play Denver because how about this heartbreaking. How about we just beat Philly just so we don't have to deal with Yeah, Philly. why are we talking about this before we even fucking beat Philly? Whatever, honestly, whatever the fuck happens after Philly, I will be yeah. okay with. If we lose to Philly, I will not be okay. So that's all. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, I can't wait for the Marcus Smart brick three at the end of the game. <laughs> oh, no, dude, no. That's what's happening. He's going to make it. Smart's going to make one. He's going to make a big one. Hey, here's one. an idea. Give it to Tatum. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who would have thought? What? What a creative idea. Joe Mazzula hears that. He's like, oh, oh shit. He's no. Like, we can do someone, that? Someone, someone called him Bazooka Joe because he chews all the bubble gum. I fucking love that nickname. <laughs> he chews gum harder oh than anyone God. else. I mean, I've that ever... guy's jaw has he to be scared. trained. He looks scared, too, while he's on the... Like, I've never seen... He is God, scared. He's that. just scared. <laughs> he looks like... that's a. It's a rare sight on a basketball court to see a coach look shell-shocked. Yeah, he just... I don't know. It's not not he he no he came out of his shell last game so hopefully he stays out of it hopefully he doesn't crawl back in yeah turtles for game seven who knows uh someone was talking about his pro um resume coaching resume before the Celtics oh I uh, heard it it's like D two and then the main uh red claws right red claws yeah and then, main red claws and then fourth Celtics string assistant. assistant sitting behind <laughs> the bench not actually on the bench and then. Celtics head coach. So it is. It is odd. Uh, how how pissed are all the guys that were actually on the bench that are like, wait, who's this guy? They're not who's fucking there. Sitting they're behind not, me. They're not <laughs> even there. They're all gone. Uh, 
Yeah, Will Hardy's gone. Damon Sotomayor's gone. That was your. He was the fourth one. Yeah, there's there's got to be a third guy in there that that's just pissed though. Yeah, the bald guy, <laughs> the bald white dude with the beard. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, pissed. he's an energy guy. <laughs> yeah, big energy guy. He, you know, um, you know that crazy looking assistant coach for Denver. You know no, but about? I I wish I did. No. When you watch Denver, look at the bench. There's a crazy looking. He's like bald. He's got like crazy teeth. He's a bald white guy, with crazy teeth, and he's the assistant coach in Denver. And I'm I'm obsessed with him. I don't know what his name is, but um, if you just Jokic, watch him, Jokic, maybe like brought him over from Serbia. That no, was like his, he look, he's his childhood a, coach. Yeah, his childhood coach that like just stretches, you know, slob stretches or <laughs> Serb stretches. I guess. Sorry. Um, yeah. No, no, he. He, I, I, every time I watch a Denver game, I like, I, I'm like drawn to this man because he, he looks like he's giving these great input. And I always watch him like go up. <laughs> he always goes up to the ref and like softly says something. He like gets information. He comes back. I don't know. Maybe get That's, him on the. Yeah, valuable guy. It sounds like. Yeah. Can we get Crazy Steven team. Silas in the building now? Does he have to wait till next summer to start, or can we get him in ASAP? Yeah. Why don't we just pay him like a full year salary for for the this one game? Worth it for fucking finals. Worth it for finals. I mean, exactly. I'm assuming we're hiring him, right? We saw him for the. I guess we're just kind of rambling right now. For the guy, for if I don't know if we've mentioned in the pod, but Stephen Silas, the head coach of the Rockets, um, was spotted at like a Celtics shoot around talking to Brad, and it seems like we're probably going to bring him in as like an assistant or something, or God forbid, a head coach if we lose next game. But who knows? Um, okay, here's the thing. First of all, yeah, Silas is going to get hired. Second of all, let's say we lose game seven. Is Joe Maz's job still in jeopardy? Because I think game six, he, I would have leaned towards is, he would he would have lost it. But after game six, I mean, he coached a great game. Does it depend on how game seven goes? Does it is he signed how to he a coaches? long-term contract? I think he's signed to finish I out the year. He is. No, he's signed for more than the year. It might not be long, oh. long term, but it's more than the year. Yeah, then he's probably not gone after. He's probably not gone at all. Game six, maybe, maybe. Yeah, but yeah. Not I, I agree. I don't think you can not. fire him. No, you can't. You can't do four coaches in four years, especially after just throwing him into the fire and yeah, and then you would you would fire him for for yeah. what? I don't know. For, yeah, that's yeah. So yeah. All right, I. I gotta run. Thank you for coming on, Jordan. Um, this was a good, a good talk, good episode. Hopefully, we're coming back celebrating a Celtics win for the next episode. Um, yeah, thank you all for listening. We'll be back to review the upcoming Heat and Knicks game, as well as the Lakers Warriors game, and then we'll be back to preview, or well, I guess review the Celtics Sixers game, and that'll be the only game. So, thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for that. And-